Good morning. It is so good to see you this morning, to see some faces we haven't seen for a while, some that live in town still, some from out of town, but coming back in. Uh, it's good to have you folks at home. We're glad that you're joining with us and uh, worshiping with us. And know, even if it's been a long time since we've seen you, we love you and we miss you. We continue to pray for you and support you, and we appreciate your ongoing support. And speaking of uh, some folks who don't get to join us most of the time in person, we've got a, uh, a couple we all love very dearly who are reading the scripture for us this morning, and that's going to be on video. So let's listen to the word of the Lord as, uh, as Marty Dunn reads the scripture, and we'll see Marty and Carol in this video. 2 Corinthians 8, 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want to, you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in the rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Got a little bit more I'm going to say about Marty and Carol a little bit later in my uh, sermon. But first, how many of you are familiar with the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Show of hands, how many of you are familiar with Make-A-Wish? It is a really impressive organization that works hard, has chapters, I think, in every state, and they try to grant wishes for children between the age of 2 and 18 who suffer from serious illness. And if you want to read an inspiring story, just look online. You'll see endless inspiring stories. Or if you want to watch some videos that bring you to tears, not that I would cry over such a video, but I think some of you might, just Google it and you will see all kinds of videos like the girl who wanted to participate in the Iditarod or miniature Batman who saved San Francisco or the boy who wanted to take the Stanley Cup for a day. You know, every player who's on the winning team gets it for a day. And this boy, that was his request. I want the Stanley Cup for a day. Or this history buff who got to participate in a Gettysburg reenactment. Or the girl who wanted a life-size dollhouse in her yard. Or this young princess who wanted to spend the day with the rest of the princesses. Or all the kids who wanted to meet some of their favorite athletes. So I want to tell you about one more. His name is Abraham Olegbegi, 13 years old, rare blood disorder. And he was on the way home from a doctor's appointment in July. And his mother had just learned that he qualified for, uh, to be a Make-A-Wish recipient. And so she asked him, if you could wish for anything in the world, what would it be? Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. You don't have to turn and talk with anyone, but maybe you want to talk about it at lunch after this. If, if you could wish 
for anything in the world, make-a-wish style, what would it be? Would it be a a trip to a tropical location right now, or maybe a, a ski resort? Or would your wish be to go to New York and see a show and then get backstage passes to meet the cast afterward? Or would your wish be to to go somewhere like Disney World, but you get to go in the park an hour early or stay an hour late so when you go to the new Star Wars section, there's no one else. It's just you. Or, Or would you ask to go skydiving and Rocky Mountain climbing and try to ride 2.7 seconds on a, on a bull named Fu Manchu with Tim McGraw, of course, the whole time. He's just going with you from place to place. Well, Abraham's mom, coming back from the doctor, asked him that question. If you could wish for anything in the world, what would it be? And I'm going to tell you his answer at the end of the sermon. Stan Ballou, do not Google it right now while I'm talking. you got to stay with me here. Stay with me till the end. I promise people I'm going to get there. So we're in a short Advent series of lessons called Gifts of Grace. And last week we talked about the lesson Jesus conveys in Mark 10, that if we truly want to experience the kingdom of God... We have to receive it. God's grace is not something that we can go get. God's favor is not something we have to earn. God's love is not something we have to convince God that we deserve. It is free. It is openly and always available. It is pouring over. God offered goodness long before we had anything to offer in return. And even when we fall short all the times when we miss the mark, all the times when we step over the line, God's grace is still abundant and available. Even those times when we've gone a little longer in the life in God and we start to think maybe we don't need it as much, God's grace is always there to remind us, no, you always still need it. It is always because of my good gift. What is impossible to achieve is possible to receive because all things are possible with God. That's what Jesus reminds us. So, to experience the kingdom, we receive the kingdom, Jesus said, like a little child, open, humble, available, unpretentious, receptive. But this week, I want to look at the other side of that coin, or we might say the next step in that journey when Jesus is sending out the 12 on a mission to share the good news of the kingdom, to heal and bring life and cleanse and set free. He utters this great line as he's preparing them, freely you have received, so freely give. Everything you have from God is a gift. 
And when we get to the place of maturity, it is actually a place like a little child. We receive it open and available freely. We've received. But Jesus says the next step in that journey, the ongoing step in that journey, is to freely give. We don't hoard it. We share it. We spread it. We sow it. We show it in the same way that God has been generous to us and continues to be generous to us and pour out His mercy. We continue to turn around and the mercy we receive, we share. The grace we receive, we share. The love we receive, we share. The generosity we receive, we share. And when we do, then we start to learn one of the mysteries of the kingdom. It is that foundational message that Jesus teaches us about giving. That in the end, it is more blessed to give than receive. And that word that Jesus uses for blessing there, more blessed to give, that's the same word that shows up at the beginning of the Beatitudes. You may remember those in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, where every one of them starts with blessed are, blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. And you know another translation of blessed, blessed is a good way to translate that word, but another way that that word is translated, what it also means is happy, which is odd when you read through the Beatitudes and you listen to the kind of people that Jesus is addressing because when he starts to list them off, those aren't the kind of people we think of as blessed or happy, the poor, the meek, the mourning. And yet Jesus says, you are uniquely positioned. You are blessed, happy even. It's counterintuitive. Just like when Jesus says, it is more blessed. You know, what's even happier than receiving is giving. And that sounds like a good Sunday school answer, but I'm not sure I'm always there in my mind. It sounds like the thing I would say in a life group conversation, but that's not exactly the way things are depicted in our world, right? When people daydream about the lottery, do they daydream about giving it away or receiving? And all that comes when they receive. But there are moments when we get glimpses of the true joy of generosity. And this time of year is one of those. And parents, you know that joy. There comes a point in your life when you realize, man, it is so much better to be on the giving end of Christmas morning than it is to be on the receiving end. Because there is a joy when you bring joy into the lives of others. Don't get me wrong. I love the new pair of flannel pajamas 
that I'm going to get on, on Christmas morning or, or something like that. Plaid, it's a good look. They look comfy and warm, but there is joy when you give. And you see the joy on your kids' faces. And any of you who were able to go this Thursday night to the School for the Deaf Christmas party, you know there is a joy that far exceeds whatever you paid and contributed to the gifts that those kids got. Because when you see the joy on their faces, when you see them celebrating what they just got and the squeals of delight, there is a joy that far exceeds the 50 bucks or 75 bucks or whatever it is that you shelled out. Okay, I was so delighted that Carol and Marty would be on the, the uh, Scripture reading video for us this morning. So for those of you who don't know uh, Carol and Marty, they, Marty has been back a few times since the pandemic. Carol has not been back but you know, historically, they have been extraordinarily busy this time of year. Because Carol, for, I don't know, a decade, a couple of decades, has been, as he likes to describe it, one of Santa's helpers. And Marty was, was right there with him. And you know, this time of year, they were at the School for the Deaf for Us, and they were at cookies and cocoa with Santa or breakfast with Santa. They have made the rounds. But if you know much about Carol and Marty, then you know that there was hardly any break during this time of year for Carol and Marty because they weren't just Santa's helpers at our church. They were all around the community and all around the state. They were popping up everywhere this time of year and so generous with their time. And Marty shared with me that Carol has decided he's hanging up his Santa's helper outfit. It had just become time. And so I, I wanted them to read the scripture this morning for a couple of reasons. One, because our church loves them and it is good for us to see them at a time when we don't get to see them. And two, I wanted to honor all the ways that they have served through the years and recognize what they've done. But the third reason I wanted them to be a part of this scripture reading is because they are walking, talking, living examples of the passage that Marty read for us from 2 Corinthians 8. So what you may not know is for all the times that they went out throughout the community and to our church and to the school for the deaf, for the, all the times they went out as Santa's helpers, they never once took a penny. They refused to be paid. And there are a lot of people who serve in that capacity every time, uh, this time of year, and they, they bring in money, and that's wonderful. That is great for them. I don't... I don't uh, you know, I don't begrudge anyone who's working and making an income. So it's, it's wonderful, wonderful. But for Marty and Carol, it was never about that. And they refused in any way to be paid. But what you also realize pretty quickly in talking with them 
is that didn't mean they didn't receive anything. In fact, they would say what they received was so much more. Because when we give grace, we receive grace. When we receive from God, we give grace in response. But when we give, we get back that much more. We give love because we've received love. And when we give it, we get back that much more. We give joy because we have received joy. And when we give it, we get back that much more. It really is true. It is more blessed. It is happier to give than to receive. And when we keep on giving, we receive so much more in return. So Marty read for us, from 2 Corinthians 8. And Paul is writing to a church in Corinth that has some people of means. They've got some with means, some without. And they had begun, Paul was going around to different churches and he was raising money to send a collection to the poor in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem was going through a really difficult time. And so to all the different churches, he was raising money. And the people in Corinth had started a collection for the poor on their own. And they started strong, but something's happened. It's kind of, you know, started to stumble. It's moved more towards a whimper. And so Paul is writing them, among other things, to encourage them, hey, this thing you started, let's finish it. Let's see it to completion. And so to motivate them, he tells them about the church's in Macedonia, like the church in Philippi, who he says in verse 2, were going through their own struggles. They were impoverished themselves. But I want you to notice how Paul describes their generosity and compassion to the poor. The, the word Paul keeps coming back to is the word grace. Their opportunity to give, to be generous to people who are impoverished. Paul continues to describe as grace because grace is not just an unmerited favor that God gives to us. Not when we really understand it. Grace is the blessing of joining in the life of God and the ways of God and the compassion of God and the generosity of God to people around us. In other words, it's not obligation. It's grace. It's a gift to them that they get to be a part of the gift giving. It's not a burden. It's grace. It's not got to. It's grace. Why? Because if you get grace, passionate, generous grace, you want to give it. Grace comes from a place of overflowing joy. And when it is done right, grace comes back to us in ways that we could have never imagined. And I'm not, I'm not talking about ways that always fill the bank account. 
I'm not a big fan of that kind of theology that's thrown out there. Sometimes you give and you give and it doesn't mean you always get back in kind. But you always receive love and mercy and fullness of heart and life to the full. And that's why gracious giving wasn't a problem for the Macedonian churches, Paul says. To them, it was a privilege. It was always a privilege to join in the grace of generosity to people in need. So I want to come back to Abraham's story that I started with. In the car, his mom asked, if you could wish for anything in the world, what would it be? And he answered, I really want to feed the homeless. That was his request to make a wish. I would like for the homeless people at Poindexter Park in Jackson, Mississippi to receive one hot meal a month, every month, for an entire year. Now, if I had read that story and Abraham had said, I want to go to Disney World, I would have said, good for him. I hope he has a ball. I hope he has a blast. You deserve it. I hope it is an amazing trip. And if he had said, I want to meet Tom Brady, I would say, I totally get it. I want to meet Tom Brady too. If nothing more than to ask him, would you retire already so that someone else can have a chance to win? Seriously, Tom, it's getting old. getting old. It's time to move on. Hypothetically speaking, of course, if I had that chance. But Abraham asked to feed the homeless. That was his wish. And it reminds me that I still have some room to grow in grace and joy. And his story also reminds me, I think, how we grow in grace. And the grace of generosity and compassion. This was his explanation why he wanted to do that. Before I got sick, me and my family would go feed the homeless at that park every month. And since I became sick, my family had to stop doing it. I really want to do something impactful. My mom would always say, it's a blessing to be a blessing. It seems to me that part of the lesson that Abraham is teaching me is I don't have to wait for my joy to overflow in generosity and graciousness. What I probably need to do is get busy being gracious. Get busy being generous in pouring out grace in every way that God has poured out grace to me. Because when I get busy with grace, then what goes out comes back in so many more ways. That's probably also a good reminder for all of us who are parents and grandparents, 
Try to find ways early on and keep going where you include your kids in acts of lavish grace toward others. Start early and keep going as they get older because when you do, I suspect you will not be able to hold back the tide of joy that comes your way.